Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design featuring a designer I have known about for a long time, but only recently had the opportunity to speak with her. She's an amazing creative with an incredible perspective on life and design. It's true that I have known about Rachel Moriarty for quite some time. Have you ever felt like you really know someone even though you never actually met them. That's how it, this was for me. And when I finally saw her at the Fazy showroom in Las Vegas uh, during Vegas Market, I, I just had to march up there and introduce myself. And following that brief introduction, you have the following conversation. And I hope you enjoy it. We'll get to that right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me And you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. You know, it's funny. So I will tell you, um, because my background in broadcast and working for Playboy, I was, um, you talk about not hitting the little red button. That happened to me. That's happened to me a number of times, actually. I mean, in, in you know, 25, 27 year career in, in broadcasting and content production, things are going to happen. But this one time I was at Playboy and I had in this band, I don't know if you know who the drive-by truckers are, but mm-hmm. I had the drive-by truckers in and I love this band. Absolutely love this band. So I was thrilled to have these guys in. And we had like this simply remarkable conversation and my producer didn't hit record. And after the episode, I was just like, you know, cause I'm in the studio, he's out, out in the, in the, in the production room. And I was like, you got it, ready to go, ready. He was not the greatest producer in the world. He was, he was not. He probably would admit that himself. But I was so bummed. And then, you know, that was kind of like the first lesson. I was like, okay, you know what? Shit happens. And that's just, it's just one of those things that it is what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. I used to have a podcast called Design and Style. Really? Yeah. We did a hundred episodes. So I don't know, it took a couple of years, but um. Yeah, we've definitely had many of the, all, all the issues too. So 
So here's my question for you. Why did you, and it's funny because I was recently down in uh, Laguna and I was at the Laguna Design Center for ASID Orange County. And I did a meeting, a gathering of designers teaching them how to create and produce their own podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was really engaging. It was really kind of cool. And afterwards I was like, why did I do that? What was the point? Because I don't understand. I have friends like you in design who start a podcast. Why would you do that? Like I do a podcast because I don't have your skill or talent. Like if I had the skill or talent to be a designer or an architect, I would be a designer or an architect. I love doing this and I feel like I do it well. But as a designer, why would you do a podcast? You know, it's hard work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I found out. <laughs> what did you just think? Um, you know, it happened like uh, it was a, it was a t- industry podcast. It wasn't like out to consumers. Uh, so I had this pipe. I still have it, a private Facebook group of about 2000 interior designers. And the focus of it is, is visibility. I, I call it social selling now, but it's it was visibility. And so we basically, that's what the podcast was about. And we talked about it from that my partner was, she was like an engineer and she did like the, the normal track to design. And I did the photo stylist fashion, you know, my, my, my track was a little wavier. Um, and so we came about, we came about it from, so that's how we got the name design and style. And so, um, yeah, that that's what it was. And we, we did monetize it and we had a membership and we had, you know, all of this stuff, I guess you would call it, I don't know what, what is that thing that people do money to now? Um, like a Patreon, <laughs> like a Patreon, you know, it was kind of like that, but we, it was like a membership. Um, so that's why we did it. And now, but now I get to do that through Luann's, um, you know, Luann Nagara. Sure. Uh, Wild Design Business. So she has like um, continuing education platform. Um, and now I teach those classes through her platform. So, oh, but that's why it was, it was, we, we did monetize it. So, you know, what's really interesting. And I think you're the perfect person to, to talk about with this. It's, it's funny. My show has taken such, because we're talking about podcasting and doing what, what you do. My show has taken so many different directions. Like when I started this, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, I want to talk to consumers about design and finding their, their designer. And then over, over time, it was like, wait a minute, you know what? Consumers aren't the ones who are really listening to the show. After a while, I realized it's like 75% in the trade, 25% are enthusiasts or consumers, but I want to talk to in the trade. So then I started doing business of design. Mm -hmm. And then there was this flood of other shows that came online. It's like, Hey, I was once a designer. I'm going to talk about the business of design. It's like, I don't get it. The at the time, I was like, I just I don't understand it. But having been in broadcast and been in radio, I kind of understand it. What it does for me is it kind of helps me understand a little bit the life and struggles of a designer, because here you are, a designer. You've you've you got the chops. You did the work. You've done it for a number of years at a high level, and then you'll have somebody who did their mom's guest house, and now they're a designer, right? It's frustrating because in many cases, you know, they, they take some ideas and I'm getting to something with this. They'll take ideas that they've seen from another designer or from their website or from their Instagram. And then they'll start designing like that designer. 
and just keep changing. How do you deal with that? How have you managed to to change not the business side of it because the business side of it kind of you either can do it or you can't. But as far as guiding your persona, your style, your career, the the designer, the look, the feel, the the essence of who you want to be, how have you managed that because being a designer is like being a celebrity. You know, you have to manage every aspect of your look. How do you do that? You know what, Josh? I think my, I think I, and, and I hear a lot of designers. We all, I guess we all think our designs are specific, but you know, there's, even though I'm in Southern California, I don't do like the sky and the sand and the, you know what I mean? I'm not like what, even when everybody was shooting white and bright and blown out, I was shooting moody, you know, and now it's like, I've seen people like the whole industry kind of shifted towards this moodier vibe, you know? Um, I don't think, I personally don't feel like I've ever seen anybody try to um, copy what I do because um, it's super specific and maybe a little too artsy for a lot of people. Um, But I have seen where I can, immediately tell who the designer is or who the influence was, you know? Um, so I haven't had to deal with that myself. So I wouldn't know. Nobody wants to be me apparently. <laughs> okay. That's funny. No. you. So it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, I've said this a lot through the years, but I feel like it's the, every designer, every good designer, you will have your own style, but at the end of the day, you realize, you know, m- m- your style only matters to you. The reason a client hires you is because they want their style. Yeah. And your job as a designer is, is to try to take the essence of what you do and transform it into what they want. And I've realized that every designer kind of has their their fingerprint, their through lines. Yeah. Your yeah. through lines in the work you do, very, very strong. You can see it behind you. You can see it in the, the manner in which you style yourself. Um, your personal styling is very consistent. When did you start that? And has that been part of the brand or is that just kind of like who you are and it's what makes you comfortable? So you do what you do. Yeah. So I, I started, I've always been a creative. I started in the fashion industry, which is so fun to hear you when I hear your podcast, because I just love somebody who came out of uh, and that like, I wasn't in journalism. I was in a fashion catalog. Um, but we did print and produce. I was a producer as well for fashion shoots. That's where I met my husband. I was a photo and prop stylist. He was a photo assistant. You know, I just like still love that world. Um, so I came out of the fashion industry. So fashion has always been a part of me, but I made a hard left during, um, during 2008, 2007, 2008, we all were all familiar what happened there. And I went into banking, which I thought was a super awesome, safe uh, bet, but you know, which I didn't know anything about banking either. Um, And I stayed there for eight years and I ended up being really good at it in the sense that it's a a relationship-based industry rather than, you know, the fine, you know, you're just plugging and playing, you know, everything's all like sort of the algorithms in the, in the spreadsheets and that's all done. So you don't necessarily need to be a good banker. (laughs) I was great at like relationships. And every time I went somewhere, I kept getting plucked and moved up and plucked and moved up. And, um, 
they kept saying, you're going to be the face of this branch, or you're going to be the face of this office. So you're going to, I kept hearing that like every time and they would just, okay, she's going to the networking events. And, you know, I got to like do all that stuff. So I always knew there was like this thing. I did, I did, I couldn't identify it. So in 2015, I launched Rachel Moriarty Interiors and um, it was the middle of the, of the year. And I kind of like had momentum um, and it was summertime. I took my foot off the gas. And when the kids went back to school, I had nothing in the pipeline. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so Facebook lives had just started. And I had this voice in my head that was like, get up tomorrow and start doing Facebook lives. And I got up, I turned it on, I was voice shaking everything. And I showed up every day for a year and a half, seven days a week, deaths in my family. I mean, just life happens, you know, over a year and a half. And I would show up and show up and, and I, you know, I didn't, I was new at this business. So I was very, I didn't have like a ton of money, but I've been collecting scarves since I was 12 years old. So every day I would show up and I'd like put a different scarf on my head or something like that. And soon people were coming. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about today, but I'm here for the fashion or I'm here for this, or I'm here for that. And then because I was just, you know, showing this like top half of myself, I started adding like statement earrings and you know what I mean? It was just like, People will almost tell you, like, it's already there, but it, I just think I be blossomed into more of what I already was. You know what I mean? And so it was already there because that's where I started. But be, as people started responding to it, 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 you know, it just, I just kind of fed into like a caricature of myself, I guess you could say. And then what I started doing, and this was like eight years ago, and I'm still working with my photographer that I worked with back in 1995 in fashion. She shoots all of my projects. And what I started doing is like going in and kind of embodying my project with my clothes. So I would just go in and be part of that scene, which is totally normal now, but eight years ago, not, not as many designers were doing that. And so, um, I can't remember exactly what your question was, but I feel, like, I feel like it's always been a part of me. And then it went away when I went into a different industry. And now it's like, now it's back. So it's interesting. I, I get, I get the transformational journey, the ins and outs, changing direction, pivots. It makes perfect sense. It's interesting though, because sometimes do you find that you work so hard on trying to ideate and imagine what the next pivot, the next direction is going to be versus doing what you do. And that is as a designer, getting new clients, doing the work. How do you, how do you manage the, the two sides between the brand management and the sales, the, the, the clients, and then the work itself? Because it's funny on your website and what you call yourself, you don't call yourself co-founder of Rachel Moriarty interior design, you're the, you're the chief creative officer, which, which has a completely different, that's part, that's one foot firmly planted in the business side of it and the other on, you know, creative direction. How do you manage both sides of that? And what did you learn from 0809 coming back into, or rather getting into design and launching your own firm in 2015 that helped you realize it's like, I have to keep that pipeline full. And if the media takes a backseat to it, or if I don't get as many Facebook lives out of it, so be it. 
Well, this has been the coolest thing. So my website and my social media really, because I'm primarily a soul practitioner. I mean, you you can't do the amount of work that, you know, you do and the, the scale of stuff without having, you know, people. But in general, um, it's, it's a mostly me business. So I'm doing both sides. But because I came out of um, out of fashion and print, like that is I'm so passionate about that. I have to have my my hands. That's that's the fun part for me. And it's also fun sharing it out. And that does a lot of the work for me, Josh. Honestly, it's like I either people either love me or they don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's it's by design. I mean, this is combo by design. It's like visibility by design. I really want to magnetize, you know, sort of more of an artsy out of the box client um that you know wants to have a little more fun even though I do a lot of like historic homes and stuff like that they're still it's not your typical client so I I let I let social and my website do a lot of the work for me and I put my face out there because when I first started I was super afraid I was I I'm an introvert by nature I'm not shy but I'm I'm introverted and I like literally when I started, I was like, I'm just going to do um, uh, vi- vir- virtual designs. And I just want to be home behind my computer and I'm going to stand behind my work. You know what I mean? And I don't have work to stand behind, which is hilarious. <laughs> but then I realized, no, you've got to at least be like side by side. And then eventually if you come forward, um, that'll do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So as far as like brand management, I I just make that a priority and it makes the selling part easy because by the time somebody, there's a lot of Rachel out there to consume. Um, and by the time they contact me, we're basically putting a date on the calendar. So it's not like that's my selling. I don't have to really sell. Yeah, it's, it, it makes perfect sense. It's just interesting to me because, you know, when when I started in the biz, you know, was at a, as a doing brand partnerships on the print side is yeah. kind of how, how I got into interiors and um, into this side of the business. And it's funny because at the time, you know, we're talking about 20, 2010, 2011, really. Mm-hmm. Um, designers in 2011, 20, 2009, 2008, the goal was I want to be able to do the work. I want a TV show. I want a reality show. I want a line or two. And I want to have a signature style. If you think about it, like the, the birth of Kelly Wurstler, you know, it's this, a, a signature style. Her style was very pronounced, very, you know, and then over the years, there has been what I can only describe as a diversification in every aspect um, mm. of the business. Designers don't want to just be designers anymore. They don't, the, the idea of the TV show has kind of gone away because social media re- replaced a large part of that. But still, if you can get on an HGTV show, that's going to change your business. That's going to change the trajectory. I would imagine. How did that work for you? Well, um, I 
So, so I worked on HGTV, but I worked as a segment designer. So they had, what I didn't realize is they hire talent um, that doesn't necessarily know how to design. <laughs> they can just deliver a line. Um, not in all cases, obviously, but in, in my case they did. And so they needed somebody to design and I designed. So it was a, it was a behind the scenes, um, part, but I was like, I am going to do this and I'm going to leverage those four letters, <laughs> like a degree. And so I did, you know, anything, I feel like anything, Josh, if, if you were writing an article for Playboy and you were talking about sexy, uh, bedrooms and I'm going to, you know, Rachel does some sexy bedrooms or whatever, I'm going to do an article on that. It, it goes out and it goes to your readership, but it really depends on what I do with it. You know what I mean? I'm going to take it and I'm going to amplify it for my, for, you know, to uh, increase credibility uh, for, you know, people that are following me or whatever. And that's sort of what I did with, that's what I do with everything. And it's also what I did with HGTV is leverage it, amplify what, what I did. So uh, leverage amplification attribution how do you so we're we're in day two of meta's launch of threads and i'm curious because there's you know i was having a social media conversation with a couple of designers yesterday and we started you can sort of date yourself by your first social media activities you know i mean i remember myspace i loved my my myspace page yeah. I, I thought that myspace was like it was amazing because you're a musician right no no oh, you're not I'm, oh okay i thought no you were. i'm a i'm a lover of music but i am not a musician okay but but um what's what's so interesting to me about it is i remember uh vine you know i remember i remember all of these other platforms that that came to the fore and you know is twitter gonna go away now that meta has has kind of launched threads i don't know i i think it's interesting to have everything in one platform but the idea of doing another social media platform and having to build that following all the way from scratch again is just exhausting just to think about it is exhausting and, you know, it has to be, I feel like it would be a perfect medium for you because you're, you were a journalist. I'm not a words person. I'm a visual person. So I'm going to mm. have a presence over there because I like to early adopt on things, but uh, I don't think it's necessarily going to be my platform because Twitter never was. Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to lean into, uh, I love TikTok, but I love consuming it. I don't really you know, create content on it. So I feel like yeah. you can have a presence wherever you want to have a presence. And I think it's important, but um, every, as long as everything leads back to the mothership, which is your website. <laughs> you still view that. That's your, that's your goal. The, the, yeah. the website is still the, is still the primary. For me. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I can tell that people go from uh, Instagram to the website, back to Instagram, you know, and it's like, I get, I get messages from uh, potential clients through e both my inquiry form and DM. If it comes through DM, I, I ask them to fill out the contact, you know, so I have everything that I need there. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I go back and forth and Instagram's a really important platform for me though, as well. 
Yeah, no, I get it. Um, you know, it's so funny too, because when we're talking about style and we're talking about what you do now versus, you know, looking into the future and trying to predict, when you think about your future plans, when you think about the business plan, when you think about the work that you do, that you want to do, what what does your five-year, two-year, 10-year plan look like? Do you have those or do you just, is it, a, some are just a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm one of those super, um, you know, I feel like things turn out always so much better than I've ever planned. Like anytime I've ever planned, I feel like things turn out way better and bigger than I could have ever expected. Like I remember when I launched, you know, this business, I just wanted to decorate, you know, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, I was like, I'm a banker and I just want somebody to hire me to decorate a room. You know what I mean? And it was like lightly styling. And um, then I got into the industry and then I saw how there's like so much opportunity. There's I'm like designing is a big part of my business and it le- but it's led to other things, which I didn't even know existed, you know? So it could be, you know, like last year was the co-MC of the design influencers conference. I give tours at high point and for the, you know, the industry, uh, the surfaces show, um, you know, brand partnerships. Um, I, ca- I call it glam ambassadorships. <laughs> I love that. You know, you should, you should trademark that quickly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. when I'm like, you're, I'm going to be your glam ambassador. Um, you, I had a podcast before, you know, um, inst- you know, inst- you know, instructions for uh, instructions, courses to other designers on social selling. I mean, there's just like, once you get in there so much, um, I think now, uh, looking forward, I definitely wanted like delve more into the product piece, but I need more team. And that's what I, that's what I do now. And so I sort of like the pace of things now. Um, I do a lot, but I also feel like I have a lot of freedom in my schedule, which I absolutely love. Um, so I, I'm just sort of, I'm in this like, I don't know phase right now. You are listening to my conversation with designer Rachel Moriarty. We'll be right back. We are living at a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively with respect to interior design, exterior design and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors, to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community, so you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, 
Their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. I, 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 you know what? I love that. And I, not only do I think that, A, there's nothing wrong with that, but B, I think that everyone should have an I don't know phase um, because if you don't, I, here's the way that I would just sort of equate that to real life. If you don't have an, I don't, if you're not in an, I don't know phase, or you've never been in an, I don't know phase, then you've been, you've been in one. You just didn't know it because exactly. nobody, if you, if you know exactly where you are, exactly where you're going to be and exactly what's going to happen next you you have a crystal ball or you're a mind reader because you, that's not a natural occurrence. You know, you have to have those moments of indecision, right? Well, and it's so funny because this is the first time and I haven't, you know, if for being on social media every single day and whether not always on my feed, it's mostly in my stories. I, I pretty much post on my feed every day, but I'm always in my stories. Um, I, I've t- kind of taken a little bit of a sabbatical without announcing it. So I had a couple of projects go in for permitting and I'm like, Ooh, I could kind of let my foot off the gas. And I, so I kicked other projects down and I'm like, July 15th, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm busy until July 15th. I don't know why that was the date in my, in my head, but I didn't make any announcements. I didn't really like even say anything to my clients other than, you know, it was a workflow issue. And then I have these two bigger projects in permitting, And I like, I just need, because it was been so busy the last couple of years, I haven't had time to just sit and like be. And so I'm really taking this like, and it's summer, my daughter's home for summer. So I was just like, you know, I think I'm just going to like chill for a couple of weeks, you know, and just see what happens, see what kind of percolates, because I feel like I've just haven't had that. I used to spend more time like daydreaming and trying to manifest. And, you know, when you're starting a business, there's like so much to be done and so much foundation building. And, and it's crazy. It's like, I don't have to do that anymore. Everything's I'm still getting the inquiries and I'm still, you know, all of that's happening without me necessarily having to do anything, but do my daily post. And so I, I just saw an opportunity, like there's, there's this like month of space where I don't really have to you know, I could just see if anything comes. So I'm more in, it's like, I'm in that, I don't know phase, but I'm also in this phase where I'm trying to see, like, I'm just trying to create like, and, and feather my own nest. Like it's been so many years to my, my house, <laughs> so much. I'm like, I've been fixing everybody else's house and mine's like deferred maintenance. And I, you know, I just needed to like, it starts to drag on you, especially if you're a designer and you're like, oh, that thing needs to be fixed. And I couldn't even get my own GC over here. So it was like, he had a window of opportunity, you know, it's, so it's kind of a neat time. Um, it feel, it felt weird at first when it, I don't feel like it's necessarily a slowdown. I just feel like it's back to a normal pace. Like we were just going at such a, you know, crazy speed. And we were putting out so many fires because of, you know, products being out and, you know, just everything that was happening. It was just a crazy time. And I just love, I love 
what's happening right now. Like I, I see other designers panicking and I'm like, just sit in the pocket for a minute. Like it's going to pick up again, you know? So I'm enjoying yeah. this time. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because, you know, if we, if we look back now and looking back is the easiest thing in the world to do. Beginning of the pandemic, everyone was so freaked out by, oh my gosh, you know, I'm thinking, is anybody going to be listening to podcasts about design because they're not going to be able to design? Why would they be interested? They'll just put their head in the sand. Turns out the absolute opposite thing happened. I mean, yeah. during the pandemic, the the podcast absolutely exploded. And, um, you know, we were popular before that, but I saw growth like I'd never seen at any point in time during the show. And it made me realize that if it's happening for me, what's going to happen for the designers and for the manufacturers and the product and to look forward is so challenging because it's like, how do I navigate something that I've never been through before? And that's when, um, you know, I started thinking about things differently. And then you and I met at Vegas Market in what January February of of this year 2023 that and crazy time that was the craziest busy oh my gosh that was insane that was like we're back oh on, my god on steroids that was insane that was that insane was, yeah Vegas market was exceptional and then KBiz and IBS following that. But and you Tice, and I, the in surfaces show was going yeah, on too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even make it over there. I I, I, know. I tried. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I did not give myself enough time. And um you and I met at the at the Fazy showroom and uh with David Cohen, and we started talking about your lines and your product lines and the the partnerships and the opportunities that you're you're manifesting. Talk to me about that, because I think that that's something that, you know, it's one thing to design for a client and to hear what the client wants. And it's your work. You're putting it together, but you're specifying other people's product, other brands. Then you go out one step further and you say, as a designer, here's what is inside my head. Here's my creative interpretation of a rug, of a sofa, of a that's personal. Cause like, if someone says, Oh, I hate that rug. It's like, well, you hate me because that's, that's right. me. Yeah. So uh, how do you separate yourself personally? Mm. How do you, how do you get, it's one thing if you kind of half-ass something and you're like, well, that's not really me. I was just, I was rushed and I put it out and somebody hates it. And it's like, ah, oh, well they hated it. Yeah, I get it. I'm not, I understand. But if it's something that you really think out and you put your heart, soul, your spirit, your essence into it. And then someone doesn't like it. It's like, oh, that kind of <laughs> hurts a little bit, but you have to get over that because not everyone's going to like everything you do. You know what? I feel like I live my life in that way where it's like, like I said before, you're either going to love me or you hate me. And there are a lot of people that don't love me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm too much for a lot of people. I'm a maximalist, you know, but it also in this industry, you have to have a point of view. Like that's when I'm coaching other designers. I'm like, if you don't have a point of view, create one. Like you have to plant your flag and stand for something. And we all do. It's just, nobody's like, nobody really sits and thinks about it. Right. Um, so yeah, I was approached by, well, Dave 
Cohen. Um, initially, I started working with Dave Cohen. He used to own a company called Rock Bottom Stone or whatever. It was a natural stone company. And then he um, founded a tile company, a mosaic company. And then they were getting into um, colors. They were bringing a color collection. So that's how he and I got connected. I helped him launch a color collection for this tile. So they went from natural stone to color. And we launched this visualizer at KBiz and all that stuff. So that's that's our, our sort of um, origin story. And as he shifted in the industry, he's always out there having conversations with people. And he's really good at partnering, you know, me with you or, you know, whatever, just for a co this combo. Or uh, he's just always on the lookout. So he found a company called Mirror Teak. And it's a small company out of um, Alabama and they do so custom mirrors and they do some distressing on it, but they also do artwork. And I am somebody who is a digital hoarder. I'm always hoarding like copy. I'm always like in the copyright free um, patterns, you know, going into the public domain libraries. And I'm just like, always looking for inspiration. And I have like files and files and files of this stuff. So um, when he partnered me with Jamie Jaffe, I've been having, I've been, I feel like I'm being super vulnerable on this podcast, but hopefully somebody a few, few steps behind me, it'll help. But you know, it's, it's interesting when you get into this industry as an interior designer, you think it, that's okay. I can put that hat on, but um, putting the product designer hat on has not been as easy for me. So my self-concept of a pro or my concept of a product designer was always somebody with like a, a sketchbook and they have all these scaled, you know, drawings of chairs and stuff like that, which is absolutely not me. Or it's, you know, an, somebody who's doing art, who's turning that art into surface patterns or, you know what I mean? Which is also not me. So seeing myself as a product designer has not been the easiest. So when Dave partnered me with Mirror Teak, I was like, well, I don't do any art, but I have all of these, you know, I, I'm a curator. I'm a, and, and I even put on my Instagram, I'm a vibe curator. So that's basically what I've been doing is, and he was a craft, a graphic designer. So I can, I will take, you know, these patterns and I will create a collection. Let's say he says, okay, you know, I'm going to display it like this. And so I will curate something and then he and I will work together to rescale, to recolor. And it's been really fun. It's so I'm learning about product design as I'm doing it. <laughs> so that's basically what, where I'm at with that. You know, I, I, I love that. I love the vulnerability. I, I really do. But I also think that you're on the right path for that. I, I, uh, a few weeks ago, I was invited to go tour the um, the Price Tower in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, and it's funny because being in Tulsa, working on this design house project, which was going to take a year, and we've been here now as of, what, a couple of days ago, we've been here for two years, right. and it's, <laughs> the finish line is nowhere in sight wow. because, because, like you, um, all these other things have to come first. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I was invited to go out and tour the Price Tower, which is Frank Lloyd Wright's one and only skyscraper. And I was, Rachel, I was amazed going through this because I, I was given a tour and then I sat down with, um, with this guy, 
name price who's amazing and who who just knew all of it and his the episode is is coming up it'll be in a couple of weeks yeah. when that when that airs but what you're talking about is really interesting because you you've got Frank Lloyd Wright and in this building it's funny because I've I've still got the um the the handout they gave me when I left there and I'm I'm looking for something in particular that I want to show you um when it comes to design I don't know if you how well this is going to translate but do you see oh yeah hang on okay do you see those chairs yes okay so Wright designed those chairs and they're made out of they're cast aluminum and they were made by a company that's here in Oklahoma they're still in Bartlesville Oklahoma no anyway he made those chairs for for Price Tower which opened in 1956 they're incredibly uncomfortable they're not really stable because of how they're positioned they look amazing but here you've got this you've got Frank Lloyd Wright who is as accomplished as somebody could possibly be in his field and he kind of had that i really don't care he more than anyone had this kind of i really don't care aspect to whether or not people liked his work he was going to do what he was going to do because that's what drove him and i get i get a little bit of the same vibe from you irreverence and what's that irreverence <laughs> maybe it's irreverence maybe it it's also from a a complete level of confidence like people are going to love you or they're not going to love you you're a maximalist you know who you are you know what you do when did you when do you think you shook that that i don't i don't know what i'm doing i'm just going to do what i'm going to do you know i think what it was was just by moving forward there was nobody this is making a little bit of a left turn, but you know, I'm on the diversity advocacy Alliance for high point market. There is nobody that's Mexican Filipino (laughs) top designer that I know, you know, there was nobody in front of me that like I could aspire to that. I felt like looked like me. So I feel like I've always been sort of just forging my own way. Um, other than Justina Blakeney, I love, I love me some Justina Blakeney. Like, I feel like if anybody, I would aspire to be her uh, or not her, but you know what I mean? Like she has like the whole vibe and the whole business that I love, but there was, there was literally nobody, there was nobody everywhere. I looked. no matter how many private groups I, I was in, nobody had the business model or a business or projects that sort of looked like I wanted to do, you know? And so it was like, I'm just going to do what I do, what feels right. Um, And I do have a little bit of a lens of a, I feel like I have a little bit of a stylist lens about things when I, even when I'm designing, I'm always looking for like that feature, that razzle dazzle sort of moment. Um, and, And, you know, and then just, realizing that I had a point of view. I didn't know. You don't know until you you share it. And because I've been so uh, consistent about putting my work out there and, you know, sharing and talking about it, um, just the feedback, I think the feedback um, kind of creates, I wouldn't even say confidence. It's like little courageous bunny hops. (laughs) 
and then and then you kind of get to that point where you're like, well, this is me, you know. Um, I think that's what it's been. And and where where does the motivation come from? What what what's the fuel? What do you use? Do you do you go to music? Do you go back to fashion? Do you go? Is it travel? Is it what moves you? It's all of it. It's all of it. It's, you know, it's culture. I think culture is a huge driver. Um, talk about it enough. Um, I, I, I always, I say like vibe is the new style for me. I'm so done talking about like style. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about vibes. I've always done, even my website is set up in vibes. I've, and be, I've just always talked about that before it was moods. So I like, I'm always, you know, what do you, how do you want the space to feel? How do you want it to vibe? Like, I don't want to talk about style or trends because I just feel like I, the way my brain works, it's way more successful if we are like, okay, how do we want this space to feel? And then we'll go from there. Um, What did you ask me? I See my ADHD, by the way, anyone listening that has ADHD, you that is hilarious, but I totally get it. I totally, I actually get totally get it. It's funny. Um, I was asking about motivation. Oh, motivation. Um, and and how how um I, I had I had read something about you that, you know, the Grateful Dead will get you, will get you going every time. I'm a deadhead. You just you? you just outed me. Did I? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So funny. Yes. I saw um I saw the Grateful Dead one time. And it was it was like 1980 something at the at the Coliseum yes. in L.A. And it was it was it was an experience. I um, it's funny. That's when I was just getting started in broadcast and I was an intern for. Do you remember um, Mark and Brian on KLOS? No. What's it, K- it was, is it L.A. or something? Or? KLOS is an L.A. station. Oh. I think it bleeds into into. I don't think so. No, um, but KLOS 95 and a half. I mean, like this legendary rock station in LA and Mark and Brian were the morning show and I was an intern for them. I did an on-air internship for them. It was, it was amazing. And um, I, that was what got me into the music side of things. And maybe that's why the musician thing, because that's how I got into music. And um, I just, that it was like a two year period of time where I saw, Everybody, I saw I saw Guns N' Roses play with the Rolling Stones and In Living Color Amazing. at the at the Rose Bowl. I saw, um, I mean, just saw the Dead at the Coliseum. Saw U two for for the first time. I mean, just saw it was a it was amazing, and um, that's when I kind of started learning about what I like and what I don't like. And I feel like if you can look at someone's musical taste, you can learn a lot about them very quickly, right? Well, the, along with the musical taste, so like, unfortunately, I feel like everybody I love is sort of in that same, they're like in their 70s now. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta find someone new. But on top of that, I just love that whole era. And I even love the, um, like we, we collect psychedelic 60s um, rock posters. Mm. I have a huge gallery wall in my living room and we have a lot of this psychedelic art on our um, 
uh, on our walls, which is like you don't also something you don't see a whole lot in the design industry, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's so it's, and, and I remember when I first was like, um, I'm also like a flea market girl and a thrifter and all this. And I just remember thinking, I can't show my own house. It's like, it's thrifted and I, it's from estate sales and it's part heirloom and it's, you know, and I'm like, I just, there was this gap in my mind between like selling luxury and being this like colorful maximalist who thrifts, you know, and as I was sharing stuff on uh, Facebook live at me at the flea market, people like would be like, I want to go flea market with you. I want to thrift with you. I want to, you know, and I'm like, this is, so weird. Like I was afraid to share certain parts of myself thinking of, of judge. This is when I was a little bit more aware of, you know, worried about judgment, but, um, but it's been something that's just been more inter. Like I, people find more like fascinating, I think, you know, and, um, this grateful dead thing. It's funny. There's a lot of us out there. And that's how I got the, um, to be the co MC of the design influencers conference. Cause Adam Jacko is a huge deadhead and that's how we connected. And we've that's seen funny. each other at shows and, um, it's so funny. So yeah, it's, I'm like, that's how I got that job. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so funny. I know I would have not known that about him. Had you not. Oh, he's that. a huge, yeah. Huge deadhead. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. And I get it. And by the way, your, your whole vibe, I get it. It, it, it fits that, 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 that music dead. festival vibe. Fish. Fish. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I love that. And by the way, um, stepping back that art movement that, that the Grateful Dead was a part of, I wouldn't say that yeah. they necessarily started it. Um, just that whole sixties into the seventies era of, of, that's why rock posters, I, I love rock posters. They're not great anymore. Um, and I think, I think that's because, you know, I'm writing a piece right now um, about AI because uh. I'm, I'm finishing a course through MIT on no code AI and uh, generative learning. And it's really, really interesting. But I started drawing a couple correlations. Someone had come out and um, on Facebook in one of the Facebook groups a while back saying that they had just launched the first line of uh, a product that was ideated, created purely out of artificial intelligence. And, you know, through Mid Journey or Dolly, and, and, and I thought, you know, I, I'm not a fan of this. Mm. Um, and the reason I'm not a fan is because I love designers and I love design. And if you tell me that all you have to do is put in some prompts into an AI machine, it will, it will push out something. Artificial intelligence, AI is not artificial intelligence. It's accumulated intelligence. Right. Right. It doesn't come from scratch. It's all from previous work product. Mm -hmm. It's something that's already been created. It just rearranges the pixels and turns it into something different. And you're still using something that somebody else created. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it just, it does, it just doesn't sit well with me now, maybe in the future it will, but it got me thinking about the record labels. And music, when I was a kid, my first record, my first album, I'm outing myself here because it was an album, not a tape, not a disc. It was uh, Night in the Ruts by Aerosmith. And I listened to that record until, yeah, I mean, I listened to it, no, I had to listen to it at least 10,000 times. I mean, every, 
A side, B side, every song went through the jacket, went through the liner notes, just loved that aspect of it. And you had a, a record, you know, a record where you could see the cover art. Yeah. And you could, and the cover. And you'd art, open it, it up and you'd have the lyrics and all of that. Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh. It was an experience. Music today is not an experience mm. unless you go to a show. Unless you go to a show, yeah. If you go to the show, then it's totally experiential. But the aspect of being able to go get a record, you know, now it's a download. Mm-hmm. It's a download and it comes on your phone or your your laptop or your or your tablet, whatever device. But it's not an experience going through it. And right. I think that for me- Even going to the vinyl, you know, going through the vinyls, you know, that was a whole Tower Records, Sam Goodies was a whole thing. Yeah, Tower Records, Warehouse, right? yes. Licorice Pizza, all that, yes. and then and then Blockbuster, and that was the end of it. Yeah, but my point is, is like I think I, I have um, on my wall too. I have a couple of gold records, and I've also got um, this one thing. It's my pride and joy. It's the uh, remember Bush, the the band, Gavin Rossdale. Uh, so it's their yeah, listening oh, party. Yeah, yeah, it's their listening party for Razorblade Suitcase. And it is this tricolor. I'll have to send you a picture because I had yeah. Gavin sign it when I met him one time. And it was just so I've had this thing with me for a couple of decades. I mean, I've had it forever. I just I keep looking at it. I absolutely love it because poster art is it's something that was mass produced, but it's yeah. also very personal because you got to like the band. You got to like the record. You got to like the art. You got to like just there's so much about it. Right. But it's so personal that you could put it in your house. And I mean, literally dozens and dozens of people. That's like the first I'll have gold records, but that's the first thing they go to is yeah. that particular piece. And it's really cool. It's that's kind of like the anchor piece in the room that holds everything together. But I think it's interesting. And with that, I kind of wanted to transition to, to your space because, you know, you talk about thrifting and heirloom and you talk about, you know, the uniqueness of the work that you do. It is really unique, but the first thing I wanted to point out, you do something with your website that I don't see many other creatives do. I've, I've seen a lot of it in fashion in this regard, but you break up your work, your featured projects. By space. You break it, huh? By space. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost, it's almost like a zone experience. You know, you're not taking the entire project, you're basically taking zones, spaces, places, individual moments, and you're breaking down and defining those moments. That's a really unique approach. Have you always done it that way? I've always done it that way. And, you know, it kind of started because that was the way I was shooting it. Like I wasn't, you know, what, especially when I first started, you get you know, can you do my guest bedroom? That's like your trial. <laughs> so I always, th- I always know I'm on trial when they're like, you know, some like non-important space in the house, you know? Um, and then maybe you do, you know, next, okay, can you do the living room and can you do this? And so when I first started, I was kind of shooting it in that way. So I only had a space or two at a time to share, but then I just loved I just loved keeping that story tight, you know, when, when I was like, when I, and I I do my own website. So when I'm putting it together for me, it's kind of like brings in my creative director, editorial past print side, you know, to the, to the forefront. So for me, it's just fun to curate in that way. 
And I always think vignettes are way more interesting than big mm. room shots. I mean, we do our big hero shots, but it's like they're so they're I don't know, they're I, I love a I love a tight vignette and it's easier for me to tell a color story, which is what again, the color for me is what sort of magnet magnif- magnetizes or, you know, repels people. So it's easier for me to tell that story if they go on my website and see the featured project and there's like color in their face, you know, because some people will just be like, nope, not not today, you know, or they're like all about it, you know. So it's just easier for me to 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 attract the right client that way. So that is the perfect launching point to to look at some of your work. And I want to start with one that that is probably not the hero here. That is, it is, but I find it fascinating because I think it really defines much of what we talked about. It's the modern maximalist ADU. Mm. And what what caught my attention was it, it looks like a Oaxacan wood carving to me. Um, I'm not sure if it is or not, but it has that it has that same feel. Yeah. That same is it? Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah. With the with the wormwood and and how so it's that is like a typical client for me. She, um, a lot of my clients because it's like everything's more artistic that I do. So she is an artist. She's a jewelry uh, artist designer, and has pieces in museums in New York another maximalist, another collector, lived on a sailboat for 15 years, had to park it in Tahiti when COVID happened. And then she bought this little ADU. And, you know, she's like, oh, I get to share all my, you know, like we're like pouring through her textiles. And, you know, she just has collections upon collections. And she was living in this little boat for so long that we just were able to like explode it everywhere. Um, that is like a typical, and yeah, it's from her travels through Mexico, through Panama, through, you know, all of that. And so, yeah, I, as you can see, I really feature that prominently, which may not be somebody's vibe, but, you know, the right person will. It- but but here's what's interesting, too, is you not only break, vibe Vibe is all over your website. That is That is the thing, right? And you're breaking out vibe by space, and you're allowing the story of that particular... I love architecture as a language. Design is is the is the dialect. You know, yeah. it's 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 the it's the narrative, and your your narration is very very strong. And I and I love that because in some cases, you know, and I picked that piece out because another designer, another creative, might do everything in their power to hide that because that is a client's very personal piece. That is not for everybody, yeah. but you don't know who it's for or who it's not. I don't know. You know, many people, maybe you've seen Oaxacan wood carving, maybe you haven't, um, but it, it emanates from Oaxaca and mm-hmm. it's, it's this wormwood that's really easy, soft and easy to work with. And you have these artisans and it's, it's colorful and it's vibrant and it's detailed. The pointillism, it, I mean, it's just amazing what they, what they do with these sculptures um, the art is in the sculpture itself, as well as in the painting of the, and no yeah. two are exactly alike. It's exactly. amazing. Much like your design and, and this particular room, I think it's an ADU. What was the purpose of the ADUs and how do you feel about ADUs? And do you feel the same way? Sorry, I'm throwing 
four questions. No, you're fine. Yeah. ADHD. I'm throwing right? four questions at you, but <laughs> you might get one answered. <laughs> I know. I know. And how do you feel about the ADHD? And does it provide you with that kind of like jewel box that I feel like you really thrive in? Yeah. So when she came back during the pandemic, she bought a home. The front house is a, is a um, craftsman. And then this is the back home. And because they were planning to travel again, and they are, we're working on it. They have a barge in France that we're working on right now, which is super fun. Um, but th- it's just, we did it very white and people think I hate white for some reason. And I love white because it just gives me more opportunity to pop some really fun color in there. Um, but we, we did it very modern and white and, um, I love it. I think it's so fun. I love, I love, uh, I do airstreams. Um, I do she sheds. I love little tiny spaces, little powder rooms. Um, for me, the, they're, they're easier to go super dramatic in as well. So I love them. I, I, does that answer your question? Yeah. And, and also, look, the ADU is something that is, that is unique to California yeah. and New York and maybe some other major metropolitan cities here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Nobody's heard of an ADU. And, really? and nor, nor will they. Um, because land is not a problem. Um, True. You know, infill is not a problem. You, you have lots to build on in, in virtually every neighborhood. Um, so so the idea of building that that little Chill space, box. yeah, out in the yard is just a, a cool thing. And then we go to something that I just, I, I spent, I must have spent 45 minutes looking at this, just your space theme kitchen room model. I'm sorry. I've never seen anything like it. And, I and that's it. my client. I love this, that. So oh, she's that's your that's your that's client. my client. So get gaming moguls. They are gaming moguls. They um, created a huge game that like everybody would know the name of. Um, they're into cosplay. Um, and so they, of course they love space. And so we took it so far in the kitchen. <laughs> It was like, you know, we walked in, it was like those, that typical Tuscan Mediterranean home you see in Southern California with the, you know, early 2000s espresso, you know, kitchen. Um, and, and it had this weird medallion in the ceiling and everyone I brought in was like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do with that medallion in the ceiling, you know? And we were like, just collaborating and like, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And when you turn off the lights, it totally glows, which is super cool, which I didn't capture in photography. Um, But as we were doing the photo shoot that day, excuse me, she comes down the stairs in that outfit, totally unplanned. (laughs) So we throw her in and she is just like, she's just such a ham. We had so much fun with that. That is the greatest. That is the greatest. Um, next but thing that's the I- kind of clients I have. Like, they're just, I'm so lucky, you know, and we end up having, you know, just, I just have a great time with them. And we've also used um, Very Gay Paint. Have you heard of those guys? No. They they did. You just had Martin Lawrence Ballard. Martin Lawrence Ballard just had uh, RuPaul's 
place on our AD had the cover of AD and it's like this black and white. They did the ceiling, um, their muralists. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've had them do a, a bunch of spaces in her house too. That's awesome. I love that. And and going, you know, another jewel box, but this thing's just amazing, is the the Airstream Argosy. That I had a, a vision of, we had that craned into the backyard. It was the 1973 Argosy. And um, we were thinking of like, what can we do with it? And I was like, what about the inside of I Dream of Jeannie's bottle? Like, what, what, what if we lived in that? Yes. <laughs> and yes. that and all those fun jewel tones. And oh my gosh, we had such a blast doing that one. That is amazing. And, and I think that, you know, okay, I got, I got one more. Um, and then, cause I'm keeping you way longer than I, than I said I was going to. So thank you for that. But um, one more that I just wanted to address, because I, I think the importance of this is, I don't mean to, to prioritize the importance of things per se, because I feel like all too often, sometimes people diminish the value of design. Architecture mm. usually gets it has a special place because it's yeah. architecture and design uh, oftentimes is diminished for what it is as fashion often is, but the importance of it um, to me, you, to those who love it is even to those who don't love it, but who benefit from it. Um, it's exceptional. And you've got a preschool project in San Diego. Yeah. And here's what I love about it. Um, and I want you to just tell me about this project a little bit. It, this is not like we're going to put in the Roche-Bobois Mahjong sofa and we're, we're not going to have the, you know, the expensive antiques and we're not going to have all of the really, but this, it just goes to show that you can design something amazing with little ukuleles and tricycles that are meant to bump into things like anything else. But I'm curious because you're going to have things thrown and but kids don't tend to appreciate design the way that the way right. that we do. And you know that it's going to take a beating, but it looks exceptional. How did you approach this? So that is on an Indian reservation. So that was so interesting because I had to go through the tribe to <laughs> the tribal leader to, to get everything approved. Um, and it's in Alpine in San Diego. So it's very rustic. And I wanted it to reflect the area and I started thinking about those old, when you would go through old encyclopedias about like botanicals. And again, it goes back to, um, you know, how I collect all this like copyright free imaging. And I just started taking like a little fern and a little this leaf and a thistle and, you know, whatever. And I started layering them on a, just like a white sheet. And uh, we, I also created the logo and the branding as well. And we, I worked with the graphics team um, and we cre actually like hand colored that mural and everything out of little pieces of um, botanical art. And so it reflects what's outside, right outside there's big boulders and trees and mountains. And so it's reflective of that. But then I brought in really, you know, bright, colorful furniture pieces. And so there's like this, you know, tension of like kind of a serious mural, but, um, and sophisticated, I would say it's not your typical like child's mural, um, which is funny because 
you know, you, you, I'm talking about a kitchen with a space theme in it, but then a preschool is a little more like elevated, which is, I, I love that. I love that unexpectedness of it all. I, I love that too. And, and I love how, um, look, clearly you take what you do seriously, but you don't take yourself so seriously that you can't ideate and kind of free the mind a little bit. And, um, you know, what you're doing to me is kind of like doing the, it's a grateful, it's the Sundance and you're, you're, you're doing the Sundance and you don't really care who's watching. And, and I love that. And right. I love your work. And I love that, um, you made the time today to, to walk through it and to, to talk with me today. I love this. Oh, thank you. I, I wanted to just say, touch one thing before we go on yeah. the AI that I do love. And I have to tell you is, if you're a designer and you're having trouble, like expanding your brain, I think that mid journey is super helpful. Like, um, learning the language of AI is because it creates in seconds, anything your brain can think of. I think we kind of keep our brain closed in. Cause when I first started getting in, it was really, hi, hi puppy. <laughs> It was really hard for me to like, you know, put, uh, I don't know, uh, can, uh, cotton candy clouds and, you know, something serious and pair these things up, like literally anything your brain can think of. And so for me, I, I use it at, in that way. I try to like constantly expand my brain and I think it's a, it can be a useful tool as well. Yeah. And by the way, to, to just to sort of put a pin in that, <clears throat> totally agree with you. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely exceptional and remarkable, rather, what it's going to do for the industry. My concern um, is that anyone can, be, can create a thing. And if there's a manufacturer who will manufacture it, then you know, any influencer can call themselves a designer and start designing furnishings and furniture for the home and lighting and vessels and you name it, they can create it. And it takes the ones who actually understand the nature of design and the why behind the object. And it takes them out of the equation. I mean, imagine if someone who simply has a huge social media following can say, you know what? I'm a designer now, and here's my idea of a sofa that is the modern maximalist sofa. And then you start to see that person on stage at High Point and right. in Vegas Market and in Atlanta and in, you know, at every market around the country. And when that happens, that product is usurping the space that was once occupied by a designer's line. That's where I think we can get into, we can get a little sideways with it because I love designers. Yeah. And if I love designers, you know, I love what they do. And if a computer could do what you do, so be it. But that's, that makes me a little nervous about the technology and about the application of it. You know what I mean? Same, same. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fun to play with and it's definitely helped on, um, you're a journalist. But when words are not your thing, it's it's helpful. <laughs> okay. The only the only last thing I will say about this, and then I'm, <clears throat> okay. Um, 
you could, so I started messing around with ChatGPT probably last October, November. Yeah. Um, you can tell by, I, I check out a lot of websites, a yeah. lot of designer websites. And it's really interesting because you can look at many of those designer websites that started their blog when a lot of people did 0809, yeah. 1011, 1415. They started blogs and then a couple of years later, they stopped them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all those blogs are back now. <clears throat> and they're and they're amazing because you can tell that they're AI generated because the grammar is flawless. Yeah. And there are gross factual errors throughout. And then there's like at the end, it always says, and in conclusion, in- <laughs> people edit that out. Take out the in conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so true. That is so true. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh my God. Rachel, thank you for taking the time today. I think you're amazing. Of course. I, I love what thank you do. Thank you. I'm so yeah. glad we finally were able to make it happen. Me too. And I'm looking forward to seeing you because I know, I don't know where you're going to be or where I'm going to be, but at one market soon, we will wind up seeing each other again. Yes. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Rachel. I am so happy that we finally met and had the opportunity to talk. Thank you for taking the time to share your story, and thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware, for your partnership and support. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I hope this allows you to think about things in new ways. As we put a bow on 2023, there are a few things you should know. I have some really fun, productive, and exciting new programming for you in 2024. It includes The Design Messengers, a brand new Monday episode that will cover issues, news, developments, and ideas for you to grow your design business. I stopped covering the business of design a few years ago as there was just this mid-pandemic flood of new podcasts that were covering the business of home and design. And and it's, that's not really what I do. And that's not what the Design Messengers is. Instead of business tips and tricks, this is going to be a synopsized high-level view of concepts, economic developments, technological advancements, and other ideas that I think will help you launch into your week. That's my hope anyway. These episodes will drop on select Mondays, sometimes every Monday, sometimes not. But as long as you are subscribing to the podcast, you'll receive them automatically in your feed. I will also be publishing a new series called West Edge Wednesdays. These will feature the conversations that took place live from the West Edge Design Fair in Santa Monica, California. If you missed the show, you can hear all the talks as if you were there in person. How cool is that? I also have two additional new series that will be published to the feed, Throwback Thursdays, featuring some of your favorite design talent that have appeared on the show over the past 11 years, and Drinking About Design, a Friday series where I get together virtually with fun and amazing design and architecture talent from the Big D Energy, which is uh, my virtual bar as it is. You'll, you'll see. It's silly. You'll see. You'll see. You're going to love it. Anyway, uh, we get together with fun and amazing design and architecture talent as we uncover stories from the world of design while getting a little loose. I think you're going to really love these. And hey, if you are so inclined, plan on listening to the show on a Friday afternoon with a pop or two of your own 
and uh, who knows? It'll it'll be a thing from the uh, from the big D energy. By the way, I just have to clarify. It stands for big design energy for uh, for my my friends out there who are who are pop fans who kind of raised an eyebrow. Big design energy. That's what it is. Anyway. It'll be our thing. Please keep those emails coming. Convo by design at outlook.com with show suggestions, guest ideas, or just to say hello. Thanks for listening. Until next week, be well and take today first. Mm-hmm.